What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Hope you had a great Independence Day weekend. And here with me for episode 147, back after the break, Mr. Dominic Jose Pizzonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than uh, I was when I couldn't make uh, post loons this last weekend because yeah. uh, somebody had a oopsie daisy on the light rail. Um, so uh, thankfully, my understanding is nobody got seriously hurt in that. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get home in time. Uh, so thanks to Eli for for holding down the fort on that one. Looking forward to talking about that game today because I was there. So uh, it would mm-hmm. be great to talk about it. Um, and yeah, oh, and uh, yeah, obviously happy happy Fourth of July uh, to everybody. And today, July fifth is actually uh, Venezuela's Independence Day. So also nice. happy July fifth. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, no, doing doing well. You know, if only we could afford the private car service, Dom, to take you from Allianz Field <laughs> back to your house for post loans. Yeah. That would be that would be the dream. <laughs> but alas, here we are. Um, and you know what? I actually think I forgot to put this as unlisted on YouTube. This is actually public on YouTube, so we might get some people looking and watching 10K <laughs> pitches live Oops. on YouTube. We actually have one person watching right now. So, hey, it's an oopsie, but it's it's kind of one of those, like, you know, it's a happy accidents. We might get some live oh, viewers, dude. some live contribution to the 10,000 Pitches podcast this week. We shall see. Uh, people might just be like, what the heck is going on? They may not even tune in because they're not used to this. Or they might tune in and leave a question and comment that we can respond to live on the air. Who knows? Maybe we start doing this thing live all the time. Uh, we shall see. But we are presented by SotaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North. Make sure you're checking us out, SOTASoccer.com. Make sure you're, you are subscribing uh, to the podcast feed. Leave us a rating and review on your preferred platform, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Overcast, whatever it is. Make sure you are leaving us a rating and review there. And make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Soda SOC. And if you want to take that next step to kind of take that initiative, you know, but man, I really like what Soda Soccer does. I really like the 10,000 Pitches podcast. You can directly support what we're doing, directly support our work, directly support the paid content creators that put a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and effort into making Soda Soccer uh, and, our, and our podcast feed what it is. Um, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash soda soccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. You do get some thank you bonus content in the five and $10 tiers, some uh, training tidbits from Minnesota United, some early access to podcasts and things like that. So make sure you're checking us out. Patreon.com slash soda soccer. Consider directly supporting our work for as low as $3 a month. Uh, we would really appreciate it. All right, now that all the housekeeping is out of the way, let's jump in. When's the last time we got to talk about something like this, Dom? <laughs> Minnesota United 4, Portland Timbers 1. Absolute annihilation. At the the annihilation at Allianz. I wish I would have been on the... Uh, Jacob Schneider did a great job writing the recap for us, but I wish I would have been on my headline game uh, for Saturday because that would that's what it was. And it's not as if these goals were against the run of play for Minnesota United either. If you look at almost every statistical category, absolutely dominated by Minnesota United. Obviously, Portland were without their DP, Evander. And maybe he, they showed by his omission in this one how key he is to that team. But even so, when's the last time we saw Minnesota United just spank a team like this? It feels like it's been a long time and it. 
ironically feels like it's been even longer since we've seen it at home yeah. uh, this season. So, no, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. To, to be honest, I'm not sure what the answer to your question is. I'm not sure what the last game is that would quite categorize with this kind of performance. Uh, yeah, it felt like it's been a long time coming. It was a very interesting game uh, in the sense that it, there was a bit of a, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing with this game in the sense that you, know, you mentioned that statistically um, Minnesota looks pretty good overall. A lot of statistics mm-hmm. uh, very much in Loon's favor. At the same time, I think to the eye test in the first half, at least, first 45 minutes, I, Minnesota United played pretty rough uh, mm-hmm. overall. It was, it was not to the eye very attractive. Uh, and it, it definitely felt like uh, the, the Loon's lead that they held at halftime was sort of an unconventional one. Yep. Uh, I think in the second half, the response was good to make that unconventional lead feel a little more earned. Uh, and pick up the pace a little bit other than the goal from, from Portland early on. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think overall it's a really strong performance. You have a lot of players kind of making the most of the situation. I think the team made the most of, of, of the game, made the most of chaotic moments um, and, and just sort of found a, found a bit of ability to punish opposition that we haven't really seen this season. It's their first three-goal win since April 23rd of last year when, if you remember, they spanked the fire 3-0 at home. Fire got a red card. That was like one of the few times that Minnesota United was on national TV and they actually played really, really well. (laughs) Um, So it's their first three-goal win. It's their first multi-goal win of any kind since Decision Day last year when they beat Vancouver. Uh, 2-0 was the final in that one. So, um, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Minnesota United really thoroughly uh, demolish a team the way they did. Um, and, you know, obviously Mano Reynoso with a brace uh, scores in first half stoppage uh, to make it 2-0 Minnesota and then scores in the 77th minute to effectively put the game away for the Loons. Bangi Longwane back on the score sheet, which is great to see. And then uh, Diego Chara own goal actually is what opened the scoring for uh, for Minnesota there. I thought Mender Garcia might get credit for that one, but uh, it ends up being a known goal. But in any way, shape, or form, you look at the stats here. I mentioned the domina- the domination on the stat sheet. Uh, 56, 56% possession for Minnesota. And normally, the possession has almost seemed like a counter stat for Minnesota. Like, if they have a lot of possession, what went wrong? It's kind of like, <laughs> almost like the first, the first reaction you get. But 56% possession for Minnesota. They dominate shots 18 to 7, 10 to 3 shots on target advantage. Um, the expected goals were 2.26 for Minnesota to just 0.65, and that's courtesy of Foot Mob. I know it really changes to, depending on what outlet you look at, but that's Foot Mob. Uh, 81% passing accuracy for Minnesota uh, to just 74 for Portland. 8 to 4 corner kick advantage for the home side. Two stats that Minnesota actually usually dominate in that they were actually on the wrong side of in this one, which is interesting, though. They lost the interception and the clearance battle. But that tells me that Portland just really weren't on the ball enough for Minnesota to need either of these stats, to need to intercept the ball, to need to make a clearance. I mean, just watching this game back because I wasn't able to watch it live, um, there was just no no sense of danger for Portland. Maybe outside of the first five, ten minutes of that second half, but there was yep. just really no sense. You, you mentioned, you know, Minnesota sort of looking sluggish in the attack early on specifically. Uh, Portland just did not bring anything in the attack. And maybe you could, uh, you know, attribute that to Evander 
being out of there. But also you got to give credit to the Minnesota United defense too for for doing a good job against a, a Portland attack that still has a lot of really dangerous pieces, even without Evander. And they just accumulated nothing really all game long. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I even think to that that first half, which is the, the I, I think was by far the half where Minnesota played less well, um, at least in the attack. And, you know, at that, that, at that half, the, the defensive end was, was where I was. So I was closer to, I was in the, the supporter section. So um, seeing the, that first half, it really didn't feel like Portland ever did much of anything in the attack. You know, Clinton mm-hmm. had a couple minor saves to make, you know, usually, yeah. usually off of some sort of set piece situation where there was, you know, no way for Minnesota to prevent the ball from entering the area. Um it, it, it was a pretty quiet. It was a pretty quiet sec- uh, first half. Second half starts a little busy, a little complicated. But after the Portland goal, again, things kind of just get shut down. Um, and yeah, overall, I think a, a really positive defensive performance from Minnesota United, which which comes off you know a couple of results where it's felt like that's been the opposite of the storyline. Um, so mm-hmm. very encouraging to see that be sort of the response the team has um, in, in in league play. Obviously, the the friendly. Uh, last week as well there were some pauses there but um yeah no i i thought it was a, a very positive performance i think i really liked the response i saw from bad moments so for example yeah. that that 81 passing accuracy is is quite high for this team this season um and i think again in those first like 30 minutes i think the passing was was actually somewhat poor from minnesota but i think that they did a very good job of evolving that uh and improving the passing as the game progressed uh, and and being a little more keen about where they were placing the ball, where they were creating opportunities, uh, and yeah, you you look at the interceptions and the clearance battle, and and you see Portland leading those, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's more a reflection of the fact that Minnesota just had way more of the ball in the attacking spaces. Uh, Portland didn't really put Minnesota in a position where they needed to do that stuff that often. Um, the fact that Portland led those two stats and conceded four goals, <laughs> I think tells you that, you know, there were a lot of problems defensively for them. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was really pleased with the performance. It was great to see Emmanuel Reynoso really engaged in the attack. His yep. two goals couldn't have been more different from each other. One was a, sh- a short distance tap and one was an Olympico, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, both really well done. He looked really good on the night and, uh, Bondi Lapuane was very, was very happy to see him get a goal. That was a very hard work sort of pace solo run goal um on a night where he did a lot of good work and that didn't necessarily get um other big chances to have real involvement so uh, yeah no i i thought it was a really solid night really from everybody uh probably one of the better performances we've seen even whether the goal count is the goal count or not just minute to minute we've seen from this team especially when it's missing players Mm -hmm. uh you know obviously clint Owen and goal obviously people like robin lud not available uh, Joseph Rosales, you know, obviously away as well. All, all these different pieces not available. I think, especially given that, it's probably one of the better performances we've ever seen with this this kind of specific group uh, this season. So, uh, yeah, uh, really, really encouraging signs. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I remiss uh, to not mention the Olympico from Emmanuel Reynoso uh, when I was going through kind of the goals here. Um, that's the I, Dom, I have to imagine. I have to imagine that's the first and only time you've seen that in person in Olympico. 
possibly. I might, I, yeah. I might, I might have seen, I might have seen one at an NPSL game sometime. I don't yeah. know, but, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely one of the only ones I've ever seen. It might be the only one I've ever seen in person at a high level like this. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's the only one I've ever seen live, but I actually didn't watch the game live. I watched it on a rewatch, so I don't know if I've actually. <laughs> Um, I don't know if, uh, if that actually counts, but a game I was purposely watching, uh, we're in Olympic. <laughs> that's the first time an Olympico happened in, uh, in that. And I mean, look guys like Amanda Reynoso, that just seems their quality just seems to, even if they're not even trying to, it seems to breed these moments. Obviously he's not trying to score off the corner. He's just trying to put it in a dangerous position. Um, but I mean, he's able to just get such a good curl on the ball. And just it really, um, I don't know. It's just it just kind of exemplifies what he brings to this team. Just a different, just different dimension of quality than than what they've had so far. I mean, his three goals in the you know less than handful of matches that he's played for this team already second on the team in goals, only behind Bongi Klangwani, who scored his fifth on the season on Saturday. So that just shows what what he brings to this team, and I highly doubt this team you know, scores more than two goals in any game this season if, if Amanda Reynoso doesn't come back. So, um, and of course, this is all with Timu Puki on the horizon here. Mm-hmm. This is all with, with you know, a Premier League, a dangerous Premier League level striker coming in and potentially being available this Saturday per Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press. So that is, it, it bodes a lot of optimism for Minnesota that they can put together this performance, you know, with a guy like Timu Puki, you know, ready to go, you know, within the next week or two, that is something that should make you very optimistic about what this Minnesota United team can, can provide in the attack moving forward. Um, for just a couple of notes here. It's the first time Minnesota United has scored four goals since the last time they hosted Portland at Allianz field, which is last summer. Uh, if you remember that one ended four, four, just a wild game at Allianz field. Uh, fortunately for the Loons, they only allow one from the Timbers on the, on, on this occasion. Uh, looking at the table here, Loons sit 11th in the West on 24 points, uh, but they do have at least one game in hand on nearly every team ahead of them. Actually, Kansas City, who is directly in front of them in the standings, uh, they have three games in hand on Kansas City at the time we're recording here. Uh, Kansas City has played 22 matches, Minnesota 19 at this point. So uh, that's where we're at there. Um, Loons did lose the interception and clearance battle. Um, as I mentioned, but uh, they, they do get the win. Um, the, I guess the only team ahead of Minnesota United that doesn't uh, have a game in hand on them or that they don't have a game in hand on is Vancouver, who's sitting ninth. But um, next up, speaking of teams ahead of them in the playoff race, Austin FC come to Allianz Field on Saturday night, 7.30 p.m., MLS season pass. Uh, the Verde currently sit eighth in the Western Conference. And uh, we get Cal back. In the booth at Allianz. Always good to see him. Callum Williams on the call for that one. This is an Austin FC team that's they've been very, very streaky this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we we tend to look at Minnesota United in a in a bubble where like when they go on streaks of wins and losses, we tend to think they're the only team that that happens to in Major League Soccer. Like, why can't they just be consistent like all these other teams in MLS? When you really look at it, and teams ride waves of momentum and and the opposite a lot. Um, even the, even some of the better teams in the league, they ride those, those waves of momentum and then they have little drop-offs. Um, Austin FC has been the epitome of that this season. Um, they, you know, they've been, you know, you talk about hashtag Heath out. They're a very, they're 
there's been a huge presence of hashtag wolf out on uh on austin fc twitter uh recently but you know they rebounded from a pretty dismal may uh and early june uh with two wins and a draw in their last three so they're coming in in pretty good form they're finding goals um but this isn't the the same austin fc side that finished uh second was it second in the west last year i think it was second in the west last year uh, behind LAFC. that sounds right <laughs> yeah um either way i mean they were supporter shield contenders yeah. up until the very end last year right so um, this is not that same Austin FC team, but at the same time, that doesn't mean they can't be dangerous. And, and one reason is uh, Ethan Finley has actually been in very good form for the for this team yeah. as of late. Uh, the Minnesotan himself, uh, I think he had two consecutive man of the match performances earlier on in June uh, for for Austin. So he's uh, he's done well for them. And um, you know, Minnesota's obviously going to have to be on their A game. Um, Team Upuki could be available for this one. Uh, Andy Grader reported today, um, uh, as we're recording on Wednesday, that um, you know he will be uh, integrated in training starting on Thursday. Um, and if all the visa paperwork gets done uh, by Saturday, you know they'll he'll, he'll be ready to go, and and will all, in all likelihood make his MNUFC debut then. But um, yeah, I mean this is going to be an interesting one. Austin still a pretty good team despite kind of you know, underperforming, I think compared to last year, obviously. Uh, but Minnesota is obviously coming, you know, they can't come, they can't come into this one with better momentum coming off a four one win. Uh, so I, I don't know what, what should, what should we expect to see in this Minnesota Austin game, Dom? I'm, I'm having a hard time sort of figuring it out. I want to say Minnesota is going to keep riding that momentum, but this, you know, the loons always seem to just when you think that they're on a good run and they're going to, you know, the stretch this out, um, it always seems to have a, a clunker at that point, if you will. Mm. Um, what should we expect on Saturday down? I think that Austin is one of the better teams to be playing in this point. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that there's something to be excited for there. I, I, I agree that I am hesitant to get too excited. Um, obviously the, with, with the sort of shadow in the background of all this being again, that you have some of those pieces you would like to have for games like this, not around, you are going to have guys that are not your designated starters playing in positions at this game. Um, you know, obviously as a side note of this, you have the gold cup, uh, you know, going well for, for people like Dane Sinclair made his uh, de- debut and the gold cup the other day, he's going to be continuing. So you're, you're going to have those pieces that aren't going to be available. Um, but if they can have some essence of this Portland result and it's at home as well, if you can keep that energy, I think that you can at least say that, you know, Minnesota walked into this game as, as favorites. Um, I, I think that attack looked about as good as it's looked all season. Uh, you know, I, I know there's question marks about potentially some of those reinforcements being available for this game. I think if they are that all the more adds to the hype. Um I see a, a, a comment here from, from Dave Velinsky mentioning that Dotson had a really good game against Portland. I very much agree. People like Dotson, Will Trap, you know, if they can get big performances in the midfield from those players, I think Minnesota is completely capable of controlling this game. So uh, I, I'm optimistic, but I, I admit that I'm very c- careful about getting too hyped up about a win streak or, or something like that. 
cautious optimism is all yeah. we can really have at this yeah. point, Dom. That's for sure. Um, uh, so Saturday, seven thirty, MLS season pass, uh, a, a big game for the Loons to try to uh, build some momentum, try to try to get a win streak going. Because although you know coming into this match against Portland, they were sitting twelfth in the West, and all was looking lost as far as their playoff hopes were concerned. You know, there are only a few points off the playoff line, and they're only one point off the playoff line as it is. So if they can get a few wins in a row, a few results in a row here, um, they'll find themselves in a pretty advantageous position with how sort of clustered in that portion of the Western Conference is. Um, let's let's talk Gold Cup for a second, though, before we actually get into sure. UFC 2 and, uh, and uh, some lower league stuff. So as we mentioned, um, it came out, uh, I believe Monday, Sunday, Monday, something like that, where uh, Borjan, Milan Borjan, was unable to go uh, due to an injury. So Dane St. Clair steps in, makes his debut for Canada in the Gold Cup against Cuba, a win or go home uh, kind of group stage finale for Canada. If they wanted to go through, they had to win. It was a four to one win for Canada. So I believe that was the final. That was the, that was the last time I checked. It was 4-1 it or 4-2, but it, yeah. it, it was one or the other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they move on to the quarterfinals. And who else do they play but the United States of America on the ninth, which I believe is Sunday. Let's check. Let's quick, quick check here. Should be. Yeah. The ninth is Sunday. USA, Canada, Dane St. Clair in goal for Canada against the Americans. That's... That's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That's kind of cool. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't know. Like, I think that's just one of those things where if you're a Minnesota United fan, you're going to, I was, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of Minnesota and U S crossover fans. I'm, I'm one of them. It's going to be very hard to root against Dane St. Clair though yeah. for me. So um, I think it'll be fun. Nonetheless, you know, I hope maybe USA wins, but it's like one nil or something like that. I hope he has a good performance because it's going to be a big stage for him. I mean, a good performance in that game for Dane St. Clair could catch the eyes. Not that he hasn't caught the eyes of, of some major clubs. I'm sure he has. And I've actually heard that he has, but that could go a long way towards his, his career aspirations, whether, whether that means Europe, whether that means, you know, just just international acclaim, international notoriety, somebody whose name may be coming up in, in European transfer rumors and things like that. Um, a good game on that platform against the U.S. Yeah. could could do wonders for Dane and not only his confidence, but but his career as well. I'm very excited to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's, I mean, obviously it is unfortunate that hopefully whatever situation Borjan is dealing with is, handled and he's he's older to go but it, it it was great to see Dane Sinclair get that opportunity to to make a you know a high level competitive appearance for Canada um you know that that game did have some some iffy moments that Cuba goal was a penalty drawn by Dane Sinclair but overall he he did well to manage a, a very high pressure game that Canada very much needed to win to essentially avoid high level embarrassment um gets them through this United States game is going to be a, a hell of an upgrade in opposition to, to yep. be frank. Uh, but, you know, I'm very curious to see what he and, and this Canadian group can do. Um, you know, obviously a, a rematch of, of um, the uh, nation's league game as well. Some different pieces will be playing, but a uh, rematch of the two countries as well. So yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I look forward to seeing, you know, what he can do with that opportunity. Uh, and for what it's worth, also, by the way, a shout out to Kamar Lawrence in Jamaica, who are making sort yeah. of a, a really big dark horse run, it feels like here. Um, 
Valentin on who the, Guatemala. They play Guatemala. Um, that game's going to be fascinating. Uh, so so a couple a couple loons connections to keep an eye on going forward in this competition. And obviously a lot of the listeners will be U.S. fans as well um, with that. But yeah, no, I, I, the Gold Cup's been really entertaining so far. Been really fun to watch these runs from you know there's been some some really cool underdogs that unfortunately didn't make the next stage but like uh, guadalupe for example um it's been mm-hmm. a really fun competition so far to watch and uh really looking forward to seeing how how the knockouts go because i think there's some really interesting pairings in there one team not in the quarterfinals is honduras they bow outs uh they did win their final group stage match but due to other uh results um i believe it was qatar beating somebody uh whoever else whoever was the other team in that group uh, that uh, Honduras will not be advancing to the knockout stages, but it's also kind of good news for, for Minnesota United. We talked about this with Puerto Rico and Zarek Valentin last week, how, you know, you were kind of happy. You would be happy for Valentin if he moved in and qualified for the gold cup, but also that would leave a pretty big gap uh, at outside back for uh, Minnesota United Rosales being back in the fold now for the loons and in all likelihood ready to go on Saturday against Austin gives Minnesota a lot of a lot of depth and depth specifically at the wing which I mean that's it's no secret that's kind of one of the places where they lack depth the most on this team and sneakily now becoming a deeper position on this team with saying Ben uh playing more of the wing lately the left wing specifically and Heath really liking him at that wing position as opposed to the 10 where obviously Reynoso is going to be holding that down uh until he does and you know, for as long as he wants to basically. Um, so it's, it's interesting. These guys they have in, but having Rosales back is going to be huge for wing depth and obviously his ability to play the defensive midfield have called upon as well. You know, that's something that when, when Minnesota is at their best is when they kind of have all their flex pieces, all of these really malleable players in the roster that they can throw in uh, in any situation at any moment at multiple different positions and they can provide quality. Yeah, for sure. You know, Yosef Rosales is one of those guys that's so helpful because he's this multi-positional talent. Particularly, he's he's grown into that wing position, but obviously can play different midfield roles as well. Um, and, and so having him back in the mix is just huge. I mean, even if it's a late in the game, we need 20 minutes in such and such position from somebody with good energy. Rosales is almost always going to be a good option for that. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, that being said, I, I, I do want to just throw in that, yeah, I, I actually liked St. Ben in the Portland game on, on the left wing. You know, he, did, he didn't get directly involved in the goals in that game. But what I did like from him, and obviously that's part of his game that's, you know, still being worked on with this team in terms of being involved in the goals. But what I really liked from him in that game was his physical energy. He mm-hmm. just had a, a constant engine in that game and constant, constant, you know, driving forward with the ball, harassing the other team when they had the ball. Uh, he just had so much intensity, physical energy um, that that I think was actually very important to saying tone in that game. So, yeah, no, uh, you know, he, he's doing a very good job of making that position his own. Uh, we'll have to see if the goals can become a little more of a mix of that. But uh, but yeah, in the meantime, people like Joseph Rosales, I think, have a, a huge role in this team still, at the very least, as uh, a very important substitute at a DM role, at a left wing role, at a center midfielder role. Uh, and so it, I think it's a big deal that he's coming back. Yeah, absolutely. So Saturday, 7.30, MNUFC in Austin. Um, that game will be on MLS Season Pass. Callum Williams on the call back in the booth at Allianz Field. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, quickly before we get into the lower league stuff, let's thank our sponsor, 
on this week's episode. And this week, it's our friends at Golasso Kits, G-O-L-A-C-O kits.com. Search their great collection of not only, you know, Minnesota United options, but I mean, whatever Premier League team you prefer, whatever Serie A, La Liga, doesn't matter. Bundesliga, doesn't matter. They got something for you. Search your favorite team. Go to GolassoKits.com, just in the search bar, type in whatever team you want to look for, whether it's a national team, whether it's a club, check it out, and they have something for you there. And uh, right now, when you use code LOONS, L-O-O-N-S, you will get 15% off your order. And if you're a Minnesota United fan looking to maybe uh, get you some Minnesota United merchandise from Golasso Kits, they have two things. Uh, they have the Drift Kit, the 2019 uh, Drift Kit, the white kit from Minnesota United. Uh, there and then they also have a 2019 polo a nice light blue uh team polo for minnesota united uh so two options if you're a loons fan but also plenty of other great options from national teams and clubs worldwide so check them out g-o-l-a-c-o kits.com code loons for 15 percent off Golasso kits bringing unique vintage jersey jerseys not just one jersey multiple jerseys if you'd like uh to your front door again g-o-l-a-c-o kits.com and use that code loons for 15 percent off big thanks to our friends at galassokits.com for sponsoring this episode of the Ten Thousand pitches podcast all right let's jump down to mls next pro m and ufc2 or i guess minnesota united not the only team hanging four on portland <laughs> this weekend as m and ufc2 beat timbers to four nil and blaine this is a reunion for uh, Minnesotans Alexis Moreno and Michael Vang. Vang did not play in this one. Um, hat trick from Cameron Lacey and an added goal from Diogo Pacheco. Lacey, man, he is really finding his groove with yeah. this Minnesota United 2 attack. I mean, it, we were we sort of got glimpses of it. He got a couple goals in, I believe, his second game. And I, I kind of... And that was in a loss to Timbers too, ironically enough. Yeah. Uh, and I had mentioned in my write-up, like it's not often that you get a a positive, uh, you know, you get to take a positive from a four-two lopsided result that you're on the on wrong side of. But Lacey, uh, that was just the turns out just the beginning for Lacey for Minnesota United, um, as he has really come into his own in that striker position. We talked about the you know with Patrick Wea being out, how that leaves a, a bit of a gap there. And Lacey, man, it's it's good to see him coming into his own as one of the newer him and UFC two signings, really sort of staking his claim up top. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what Portland Oregon did to to um, to Lacey, but they clearly deserve whatever they <laughs> whatever they did. They clearly deserve what they're getting because uh, he he he's loving a goal against them. Uh, but uh, no, great to see great to see him performing well. Great to see him gelling with this team well. Uh, great to see Minnesota United two not only get a win, but sort of get a win that that sort of provides a little relief from one of the more recent tough losses that they've they've dealt with. Uh, like you said, kind of flipping the script with four goals against Portland after conceding four against them earlier. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think a really good result overall. Again, great minutes for some guys that are, uh, uh, you know, in, in the development cycle. By the way, just as a, a note between this game and, and the Minnesota United action, of course, uh, a shout-out to Emmanuel Iwe, who um, – signed for the the first team uh and played in both games yeah um so uh yeah uh but anyways yeah good good win from minnesota united two um good clean sheet and uh cool cool that two local kids or two local guys alexis moreno 
uh, and Michael Vane. Um, Michael Vane was there, but he did not play. I believe he had a rolled ankle or something like that, um, some sort of minor um, physical uh, ailment. Uh, but to have them both be back in Minnesota is great, really cool. So, um, yeah, no, overall, I think a lot, of, a lot of positive vibes to take away from that one. Lacey now has six goals on the campaign. He's just one behind Pacheco for the team lead uh, already, and that's in eight matches played. So he's he's really, like I said, coming to his own, and, and he's fitting in with this system really well. And, um, you know, the people around him are doing a great job of finding him in those positions, and he is a great, great finisher. Uh, you just watch some of his highlights, and he can, he can finish with the best of them in MLS Next Pro. So um, I, I think that's something that – Bodes a lot of optimism. Again, we say this all the time when we talk about good individual performers, but you got to think of what this guy could potentially do at the next level. I mean, right. what is Minnesota United lacking? Goal scoring, finishing, you know, and obviously you you presume with Timu Puki coming into the fold that, that that's going to change in the short term. But we also talk about how Puki is not going to be here for three, four, five years probably. So who is that next guy that can sort of step into that role and, and, uh, and sort of take over whenever Puki uh, decides that he's either going to hang it up or move on to another team or Minnesota decides it's time to, to move on and get younger at the striker position. Um, the guy like Cameron Lacey keeps pouring in goals at this rate. I mean, he's going to, he's going to get that opportunity uh, at the first team. Um, and that's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that that comes to fruition and we get another call up because as you mentioned, Emmanuel Iwe was the first MNUFC two call up to Minnesota United officially signing an MLS contract on Friday. That's the thing with these podcasts. When we drop on on Fridays, when news breaks on a Friday after a podcast episode, it feels like it's last week. So then I forget to put it in the notes. Uh, but yeah, um, really good. Let's, let's, let's kind of, uh, stop there real quick on Eway um, joining Minnesota United. Um, I just think you feel awesome for the kid. First of all, let's, let's take the club side out of this. For a guy like Eway, who you and I watched two years ago play for Joy Athletic in the yeah. NPSL North, um, we did an interview with him when he was with St. Cloud State uh, playing Division II soccer. Um, to go from that to an open tryout to MNUFC2 and to you know getting a, a few appearances with the first team and now actually signing that MLS contract. Um, all in two years, right? This, I mean, yeah. this all happened actually ten, uh, almost a year and a half because yeah. I believe the open tryout was prior to the 2022 season. It was like January or February of 22. So you're talking yeah. 17 months that this is all happening for Eway. I mean, you could see he's he was next level. And we've talked about this a few times, but if you're a new listener to this podcast, Emmanuel Eway, when he played in the MPSL North, it was clear that this guy was on another level from his individual quality, from his, from his physicality, just, just the way you see him on the pitch for five seconds and you're like, okay, this guy, this is a man among boys, (laughs) like quite literally. Um, And so to be able to take that potential and take that into MLS next pro and now sign an MLS contract. um, I mean, it's hard to put into words like, how crazy and fast this has all happened for him and how amazing it is on a lot of different levels for him individually, for Minnesota soccer, for the for the lower league soccer scene in Minnesota. Cause I have to imagine it's going to get a little bit more heavily scouted now with a guy like Eway as sort of a, a, a case study on the talent that can be breeded in those leagues. Um, 
I mean, it's just, it's so cool. It's just so cool. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's really awesome. It, it probably couldn't have happened to a, a nicer guy as well. Yes. Um, he's, he's a, a very kind young man and, and I think he's, um, navigated the changes in his life, uh, at an emotional level very well, yep. in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, as a, as a quick comment, I, I recall a long, well, it feels like a long time ago now. I don't actually think it was that long ago, but I recall we had a conversation, uh, when the super draft happened, um, the last super draft because you know there are a couple of Minnesotans picked by other teams are uh, you know Herbert and Dele, Xavier Zenge and uh, Rory O'Driscoll, and uh, and technically Emmanuel Ewe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I talked about how you know there were there were aspects of a lot of those guys' moves um, that did not you know did not reflect the way things are supposed to quote unquote supposed to go in the way things work here. And, and the fact is you look at Emmanuel Iwe, this is a guy that uh, is born in Nigeria, comes here as a kid, uh, you know, goes to St. Louis park, which, you know, had, you know, all due respect, it's, it's, you know, good school. And they've, they've had a lot of good players go through there it is not a school expected to produce professional athletes. Um, not at the major league level. I would say that is not on paper what that school is expected to do. He goes, he has his youth program is joy, which I think uh, they would agree is not a conventional pathway to professional soccer in the U.S. Uh, he goes to a D2 school. He plays in the NPSL. He's not even not USO leads, not not the leagues that are supposed to be pre-professional, quote unquote. And, you know, D2 school, you know, I mean, obviously it's a great achievement to get to a D2 school. But to be clear, from a professional scouting point of view, it puts you at a a serious disadvantage um and for all of that then to result in like you said in a, less than two years really all of a sudden he has an mls contract is insane it's insane it's not really supposed to happen um and, and so it's so cool it's so cool to see and like you said i mean i remember uh watching him for joy play duluth at, in duluth i lived in duluth still at the time um, at public school stadium, it's a high school stadium. I paid no money to watch him. <laughs> um, uh, watching him play Duluth, and you know, and Duluth won that game. I think it was like a like a four two or something. It was a lot of goals, both teams. Um, and everybody around me, including a lot of Duluth staff, who had every reason to want Duluth to win that game, anytime Emmanuel Ewe did anything, there was like a casual like shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because yep. he just looks so good. I think he scored in that game. I I I, don't, I can't say for sure in this one moment. But I think he scored in that game, but he had a great game regardless. I had a goal involvement of some sort for sure. Um, he was just so impressive, and you know I didn't know much about him before that game. And uh, so, anyways, you know he's he's just come so far. It's really cool, and uh, really look forward to seeing him be a part of this team. Hopefully, he gets you know the opportunity to grow into that more next season. Um, but uh, yeah, no, just just really cool to see a, a local kid um, who you know has a humble humble beginnings about as humble as they get, who who's who's made the most of his opportunities despite the fact that frankly on paper they're not the opportunities that a player trying to reach this point would normally aim for. Uh, that that's awesome. That's really awesome. So yeah, just a just a, a big shout out to him. I think he already knows this, but everybody in this space is super happy and proud for him. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, it was really cool to see him play a little bit against against Portland, and uh, looking forward to seeing him play more 
uh, through through years to come. Hopefully, we talked about this. I think the we were talking about this with uh, Lewis Sanvi. Um, mm. uh, this is a couple months back. How you know his his emergence with them in UFC two sort of maybe opening some doors and and you know maybe changing the way that Minnesota United looks at and scouts the local soccer scene. Um, if 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 that was starting with was I mean it's it the doors are blown off on that now with yeah. with Eway uh, joining Minnesota United and signing that MLS contract and I actually asked Heath about it specifically I said you know with with Eway coming from the NPSL coming from the local semi pro amateur soccer scene you know does that how how heavily are you guys scouting that knowing that he's a he's a kid that came through it and he said we're scouting it we are paying very close attention to these leagues and the players in these leagues that could help us moving forward. And so you you don't necessarily have to be a a MTA Shattuck St. Mary's product anymore to have, sure. Those, those programs are great and they can, they can do great things for you, but it's, it's not exclusive really anymore. If you are able to get on a team in the MPSL, the UPSL, whatever it is, and you're able to show out and the right person's watching you, you can get an opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. something that, that you couldn't say two years ago. No, you couldn't, you couldn't. And, and yeah, just as a final note, cause you know, two things first, like you said, by, you know, it's, it's all, it's all love to the MTAs, to the Shattuck's. I mean, Roy yes. just goes an MTA kid. Like yes. it, it's uh, Michael Vane's a Shattuck kid. Like it's, 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 those programs are important. There's a lot of great people in those programs. Yep. And, and don't want to dismiss that without by those programs the infrastructure also isn't there if Correct. it's a one or the other it's the infrastructure is not there so it's all love to them that being said yeah i mean it, it's it's just it's great to see the the diversity opportunity um mm-hmm. that that it feels like there is now and like you said a couple of years ago i, I think you could have very very easily argued it just wasn't there mm-hmm. um so very very happy very happy for it yeah the 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 belief that sign and and yeah, it's 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 Eway. I mean, it's even Masanvi. What he's doing, it's O'Driscoll. It's all these guys, all these little guys that are doing it. Um, I mean, hell, it's Ethan Finley and 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 you know Brent Palm. It's it's any all these guys are local connections. It's great that they give that extra line of hope. One to like you said, the other guys that are playing, you know, MPSL right now and and chasing that dream or whatever UPSL USL. And kind of reminds them, like, all right, there's 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 light at the end of the tunnel, potentially, you know, if, yep. if I keep at this. But also, you know, again, for me, I, I think, you know, guys like Iway, um, guys like Masanvi, guys like uh, Kone, who I, I talked about the other day, I, I think it's really important that guys like that also show young kids who may have, you know, whatever kind of background may on paper disadvantage them from certain opportunities um, to just show them, like, hey, it's it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. I think I think people being able to see that it's possible is is incredibly important. So, um, yeah, no, just just I think a a really a really positive moment. I think in a lot of ways for for Minnesota United. Absolutely. All right. Enough on that. Big ups to Emmanuel Eway, uh, friend of the show. Uh, dare I say? And uh, <laughs> MLS MLS uh, contract player. Very cool. All right, let's uh, let's talk lower league though. Uh, USLW league, Minnesota Aurora ends their regular season seven zero and zero seven wins from seven matches, um, and they um, finish that with a seven 0 win against Chicago City. 
Um, and those two teams will actually rematch in the playoffs on June 6th. Uh, so that's Thursday. So by the time you're listening to this on Friday, another reason to go check us out at patreon.com slash soda soccer, because you get this podcast basically right after we end here. What I do when we end this podcast is I download the audio and then I post it directly to Patreon. So you get like the raw audio directly after we record for 10,000 pitches. So, uh, and so everything's up to date when you listen. So, if the, you know, check us out, okay. patreon.com slash soccer. Anyways, um, so, but if you're listening on Friday, you know, first of all, thank you. We appreciate you as well. Uh, but you will know the, um, the results of Aurora and Chicago City. Um, and I believe it is Flint and Indy 11 who are in the other semifinal. And the final will be played on Saturday, the 8th, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think that I think that's correct. Um, and yeah. And so um, obviously Aurora, the big favorites in this one, but Indy 11, also a top team in the USLW league from a national perspective as well. They've been in the top five of the power rankings pretty much the entire season. So, um, and uh, just looking at the semifinal again, a lot of, you know, the, know the, the result, but you know, beating a, the same team three times in the same season is, is not easy. Uh, Chicago city has been that second place team and they have everybody else besides Aurora. Chicago city has done very, very well against and put up very impressive yeah. results against those other teams, against the green bays, against the, uh, you know, Dutch lions and, and, and other, other teams, um, and a very, very good heartland division. Um, so, you know, they're not going to roll over for Aurora, a seven, no win in the final regular season match, obviously sort of sets a tone and sets a pace from the, on the Aurora side, but assuming it's going to be Aurora and Indy 11 in the, uh, in the championship. Um, that's one that's, I think all due respect. And I know I just kind of talked up Chicago city a little bit. It's going to be that, that test that we have been wanting to see from Aurora for quite a while. Um, that we have sort of been looking at as everything they've been doing in the regular season is sort of in preparation for a certain opponent that they are going to meet in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, you know, Indy 11 for sure qualify as that level and that type of opponent. And it's going to be very, I'm very, very intrigued to see how Minnesota Aurora sort of handle that. I'm confident with the way Nicole Lukic and co have, have structured in the way they've done things in the regular season. A lot of players have gotten minutes. They've played a few close games. They kind of know how to navigate certain situations, but you don't really know until everybody, you know, until the 22 players are out into the field and you roll the ball out and the referee blows the whistle. Yeah. And I'll be very interested to see what happens uh, on Saturday when that, when that all that occurs. Yeah. It definitely feels like, you know, like you said that, all of this that's been happening this season, especially at a certain point when it became very clear what the sort of quality level was with this group uh, in regular season play, it very much feels like it's been building up to when they finally get to the point where they will play a team that has had a similar record to them so far. Um, and, and, you know, with all credit to Chicago City, obviously that's not quite the, the case with Chicago City. So uh, assuming that they win that game and, and play, let's say, in the 11, that, that is where you go, all right. Now let's see what this level looks like for Minnesota Aurora this year. And, you know, obviously last year we saw, you know, that similar sort of scale of challenge and they did a very good job of handling it, but obviously it's going to be interesting to see what they can do this year. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been an exceptional season. It's been a really impressive season. I think one thing you mentioned, you know, all the players that are getting minutes, I think one thing that's really cool, impressive about the roster management this year. And, and I 
was partly aware of this because I, I did a, a sort of quick story uh, for the Sun Post recently about just a couple local locally connected players that are with Aurora this year. Um, the the amount of players that they've played, the amount of players for this team that you know aren't the sort of the big key starters who have a game or two, but in that game or two they have a goal or an assist or they have a clean sheet or whatever it is, they have some substantial stats to to their name. Uh, there's just so much quality in this group. So, yeah, I really look forward to seeing how they adapt to, to that next level of challenge. I think there's plenty of reason to be very positive about it, but of course you don't want to jump to conclusions. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow. 2 p.m. Central time on Saturday is the final. Um, and the, the Fox 9 crew was going down. Or is going over oh, wow. to Michigan. So that's pretty cool that the game is going to be available on Fox 9 Plus and Fox9.com, the app, all that good stuff um, on Saturday for, again, we're presuming here because we're recording on Wednesday night. It's going to be Aurora and most likely Indy 11. Maybe Flint, because they're hosting, uh, can can get a sneaky win over uh, Indy 11. But um, assuming it's going to be Aurora and Indy 11 in that uh, championship game on Saturday, if you're listening on Friday and that doesn't happen, um you can you can laugh at us that's that's fine we'll we'll take that but anyways um usl league two rochester hosted both canadian teams two no loss to thunder bay and then they drew fc manitoba 2-2 minneapolis city stayed tied at the bottom of the deep north after a 1-1 draw in milwaukee against bavarian united um rochester at this point the only team that has an outside shot to qualify to get that second spot in the deep north um, but they're going to need a lot of help and they're going to need to win out to do that. So it's looking unlikely. Um, so I think it'll be a Minnesota, Minnesota list, um, deep North division playoffs, but, um, you know, you, you see, you see Rochester, you know, drawing a, a Manitoba team to two, um, Minneapolis city did not lose to Bavarians this year in, in their two meetings. So, um, there are some positives to take away for all these teams, but I think still with three teams in the hunt, pretty disappointed not see at least one of them. Um, you know, again, this is you know Rochester still have an outside shot, but in all likelihood not see not see one of those three uh, take that next step and make the playoffs. Yeah, I think yeah, I think people would have liked obviously to to see um, things be a little closer. Uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, I think all three clubs put a, a really serious effort to change that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, unfortunately, everybody else also got better. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it became a, a pretty hard battle to win there. Uh, you know, full credit to to all three teams and, and obviously St. Croix and Rochester, you know, kept the push. You know, mid, mid-season, we're still in the push. And now in this sort of last leg, are, have fallen off a bit. But um, I, I, I've been really, you know, for what it's worth with Rochester, they, you know, had the, the two games against Canadian teams last week. I've been really impressed with their debut season in USL League Two. I think they were kind of the team of the three that, frankly, from what I was hearing from a lot of people, people thought were going to be the worst of the three. Um, and uh, that definitely did, turned out not to be the case. Uh, yeah. they, they've arguably been the best. I, you know, the points and games played metrics aren't all sort of finished yet to compare them, particularly with St. Croix yet, but um they've had some big wins they you know went to ed or nelson got a big win they've had some big wins at home some some good draws as well against good teams um i think sebastian has has a, a good thing going there i think they brought some really good players in and made the most of local players as well so you know credit to them for for putting together a really competent season this year um but yeah you know hope i guess the hope would be you see that sort of step 
of progress this year compared to last year with St. Croix and City. And you hope that this is sort of that trajectory that in year three, for example, next year, perhaps you have one of these teams finally sort of get the chemistry all, all right and, and put together a, a proper playoff push. Um, but I, I suppose that, you know, it's a reflection of that the health of, of this conference, of this league, that even with the uh, rearrangement that moved Des Moines out of, out of the conference, for example, that, and Peoria City as well, that it's still very tough to, to get wins in USL League 2. It's very tough to get wins in the deep north. Uh, I think that's probably a good thing. I think it's probably healthy for the players' development and the club's development. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's been tough. Uh, for what it's worth, quick shout-out with the local connection. Um, not this conference, though. Oh, it's it's the other Midwest conference. But for the first time in a certain – there's some sort of record basically set by the Chicago City men's team because they actually they got the double on Des Moines this year. Wow. Um, which is unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unheard that of. It never happens. And uh, so, you know, Chicago City in a very good position for this season. And uh, the, the local connection is the winner. It was a 2-1 win. The winner scored by Sydney Warden. Uh, wow. So, wow. Uh, very so cool. A kind of an interesting little plot line going on in the other part of the Midwest in the USL League yeah. 2. But uh, no, I, you know, I, I think it's been a really enjoyable season. I think these two Canadian teams are really interesting as well. And, and I think people should, by all means, pay attention to what they do in the postseason, assuming they, they stay in their spots that they have now. Um, but yeah, again, I think the, the harshness of this league this year, I think, is actually for, for the better for, for everybody involved. Do we just need to be patient with Minneapolis City in League Two here? Because you see what's happening with the, with the futures. Um, this is, you know, second straight year they made the U, the UPSL conference playoffs. They they won it. They won the whole kit and caboodle uh, this year, as far as the the conference goes, the Midwest West. Um, so obviously their 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 developmental pipeline is strong, with the futures you know showing out in their particular uh, conference and their particular league in that yeah. way. But this is this is two straight years. The first two years now in League Two where Minneapolis City's been at the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. of the conference. Um, and you know, I, th- I think there was a lot of optimism this year with them signing Carl Craig, bring, bring him on as, as head coach, but it just, it just hasn't necessarily been there for the Crows in the early going. Is this sort of a long game for Minneapolis city here? Or is, I mean, I mean what, what do, what do we make of, of year two and not really much progress for the Crows as far as standings? I, yeah. You know, I think what I would say is this, I, I would to- totally understand if they stick with Carl Craig yeah. for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you take the effort to set that up and bring him in. I would completely understand maintaining that general project. Um, I, I think it's fair to also say that this season, from a sort of hype uh, perspective, which, you know, isn't necessarily the, the club's doing i mean there's other people talking but from a hype perspective um is not what people expected uh it had you know not only to necessarily finish on the table where they're at but to finish behind the other two minnesota teams um and and i do think that you know for for this to seem like a project that's moving forward there needs to be a pretty considerable improvement next year you know for all for all the changes that happened for this season uh the math of the season is pretty similar to last year 
Um, and, and so I, I think that does raise some questions. Um, I, I think one, one thing I will just drop into that conversation, you mentioned the futures is I'm not, and you know, this is very easy for me to say as a person who is obviously, you know, outside of the organization and not, you know, privy to every single detail about those rosters. I'm not sure if as many of those futures kids got chances this year in lead two as should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see some guys that got promising minutes last year in lead two, and now they've been only playing UPSL mm-hmm. and I don't understand that. So that, that, that's my one kind of thing I'll say as, you know, again, the guy that's not in the coach's room making these hard decisions. I'm that, that raises an eyebrow to me to some degree. Um, I wonder if that's something that could potentially help be a piece of this puzzle. Um, I don't want to start naming that, you know, I, I'll, I'll leave that to people to, to, to figure out, but I, I just wonder if maybe that's part of, um, of the solution is to, to maybe refocus a little bit on that futures, um, development pool. Um, because you had guys that were playing lead two last year and all of a sudden they're not this year, but they're still with the team. And, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know if that makes a ton of sense to me personally. Um, so, you know, I think there's things, I think there's things they're going to have to think about. There's conversations they're going to have to have. I think Carl Craig is obviously a very experienced manager. I think he has a lot of really big effective ideas that he can bring to the table. I think that another year could easily see this team very much change the script in its time in USO League two. Um, but yeah, it's unavoidable. The fact that these first two years have just not, and, and this year have just not quite been what people I think were expecting. Um, from, of course, a team that overall in its history is is kind of associated with success. He said something Carl Craig did um, in an interview that Minneapolis City put up on their social media. Uh, it was in the early part of the season where he said, you know, he's implementing a style that a lot, a playing style that is more of a professional style, the, the style that they'll, these, these players will, um, will in all likelihood be, be thrown into if they, do reach the professional level sure but that's also counter to what a lot of these players are playing in in college mm. um and it's a different different style of play different i don't again i'm i'm not a tactical i don't understand the intricacies of what are specifically different but he did indicate that the what he is asking the players to do may be counter to what they're doing in college and maybe that's something that you know, maybe you're sacrificing a little bit in the short term to get these players more ready to play professionally. And maybe after a couple of years, the players will be more suited and, and more experienced and more prepared for that adjustment come the summer season. I don't know. I, do you make, do you make anything of that? Like, is there, is there something to that as to why maybe short term this team hasn't found the success that maybe they want? Well, I, I guess what I would say, you know, I, I have not been to a Minneapolis city training uh, uh, day uh for example so i can only you know speak sort of from the the outside looking in on that but what i would say is obviously again you know carl craig is a person who has a long professional resume including with professional teams it makes sense to me that part of the deal with bringing him in would be to potentially pursue bringing a more professional style of play what i would assume that means is you know some of those little details that kind of catch people when they go pro can sometimes be like responsibilities placed on individual players the the the, the expectation that you are responsible about 
tracking possession, you know, being where you need to be to receive certain passes, uh, knowing the kinds of passes to make in certain situations. There's, there's mistakes you can make in college ball. You can't make in pro ball. Um, little things like that, I imagine, are some part of that framework that he's, he's referencing there. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's probably, you know, I think it's good to introduce players to that. I, 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 I guess where, what I'm not sure of is why that isn't translating well to this group, because I know there are other teams in the, in USO league too, coached by coaches who have long resumes of coaching professional teams. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I don't know the, the details of why one thing translates here, one thing doesn't translate there. You know, I, maybe those other teams aren't implementing that professional style the same, to the same intensity. It, that, that, I'm not sure. Um, one thing I think would be interesting to look into is could the fact that you have a development pipeline in this team mean that you, you introduce that system, that approach at a younger age through the futures and then you have guys who, by the time they get to USLE two, they know what's up, and you're not. That's kind of what I. That's kind of what I was meaning when I started this yeah. conversation about you know being patient with this right. uh, sort of Minneapolis City project, and maybe they're looking more long term. That okay, when these futures players are ready for League Two, you know that's when we're really gonna gonna hit our stride. Sure. It's kind of like a, you know, a, a college football team or a college basketball, or even a college soccer team where it's like, man, we have this really good recruiting class, but they're all freshmen when they're juniors or seniors watch out, but it's going to take a couple of years for that to sort sure. of cook. And that's to sort of simmer. You yeah. Kind of sure. Maybe getting yeah. the same vibe with, with Minneapolis city, but it also might be kind of grasping for optimism. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's totally possible. I think I mean, to be perfectly clear, like I don't want to like seem like I'm, coming into this being overly negative, I think it's entirely possible that you, you look at some of the guys that stood up for futures this year. You think of Zach Zussi, you think of Kamel too, you think of Carter Hermanson. Those guys were all freshmen in college last fall. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the line is very near for them to get to the point where they're going to be a little more mature. They're just going to have a little more experience that could help tip them over the line to being more available for that side of the game. It's very possible that literally next year this team does extremely better. Yeah. Um, that that is the the pool availability, the pool strength that they have, the resource strength that they have. I think that is entirely possible. Um, so and, and 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 that same that that point that that focal point is uh, is another reason why I think it would make total sense for them to just you know ma maintain this project with Carl, uh, Carl Craig. Excuse me. Uh, and and continue this this journey with him, and not worry about you know trying something else because it didn't go well this year. Um, so no, I, I I agree with you. I think patience is probably the better the better weapon here than anything else. All right, let's go down to the NPSL now. Med City and Duluth, uh, they replay their postponed matchup due to the uh, air quality issues last week. They replayed that uh, over the weekend. One one draw between Med City and Duluth. Um, it ended a 10-game NPSL win streak for Duluth. It's actually their first uh, first non-win this year. First time they've they've dropped points this year. Um, you know, as you expect from a Med City-Duluth match, very high energy, very intense, very physical. Um, you know, we see Med City sort of sitting third in the NPSL table, but they are the defending champions. 
of of the conference. And I think that you see, you saw in this game, this is a, this is a team and a program. Although on the table, they're not where they want to be, and they are miles behind Duluth in the standings. They are still, they still have the playoffs obviously on their mind, on the horizon, and they looked like a team that sort of wanted to make a statement and wanted to show Duluth that they're not going to cakewalk through the conference uh, playoffs and that it's still med city's conference title to lose. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, th- I don't think Duluth should be bothered by this result in the sense no. that you go to the reigning champs, you, uh, you trail at halftime, you're missing a player or two, you know, um, Jade Starling, for example, wasn't available this game. Uh, you go down a man in the last five minutes, actually. Uh, and you come out with the points. I, 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 you know, especially after the, the season they've had so far, I think you you leave relatively happy with that. I don't know if they were happy with it, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's reason to be positive. Uh, but for Med City, I think the same is also true. I think that, you know, you go, all right, we showed that on our day, we can, we can give them a game. We can keep things close. Obviously, the other game was a 1-0 win to Duluth as well. So overall, it's, it's, it's two close results. Um, I think that that sort of re-energizes, I think, probably that that playoff push a little bit for Med City to think, all right, well, look at these two results. These both seem like results where if we tinker, you know, we can probably give ourselves a real shot here um, in a playoff format. That being said, you know, I, I think Duluth probably still walking through those playoff games quite quite confident. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it, the, the question in my mind going to these last two games for Duluth was, I don't think anybody has ever ended the season um, without dropping points. Uh, hmm. C- City have had some amazing NPSL North seasons, but there was always a loss yeah. or two draws or whatever. There was always something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I'm curious. Duluth could still end the season undefeated or unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was curious, you know, if it was going to be possible to do that, I think just down the stretch, especially with the reschedule that, you know, this was understandable, this blip, but, um, but barely a blip really in, in, in the, in the greater picture. So no, yeah, uh, you know, a good, a good intense match as it always is with these two teams. And, uh, I think a good, uh, preview of, of, you know, some of the good intense matchups that we can probably expect from the, uh, the playoffs to come. And then in the UPSL, Minneapolis City, or Futures, we just kind of already alluded to this. They win the Midwest West title. It was 2-2 after added extra time with St. Croix. Penalty shootout ends (laughs) 13-12. What? I was following this on Twitter. I wasn't watching the match live, but I was just following this on Twitter, just just refreshing the Minneapolis City Futures feed every two seconds to see what what happened. And it just kept going. My wife is like, What are you doing? You've been you've been you've been refreshing your screen. I'm like, this penalty shootout's insane. She goes, You're following a lower league penalty shootout on Twitter. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a sicko, babe. I don't know, I don't know what you want from me. You knew this. You knew this when you married me. But man, I mean. What a great way to end such a, a really exciting UPSL Midwest West season. Um, yeah. It was you know, Superior City sort of having a really good first season. St. Croix obviously was right there with Minneapolis City neck and neck uh, the entire way. Vlora obviously were in the mix as well. A, a lot of parity in the conference this year, which is really good to see. Um, you know, there are four or, or five teams, even when you factor in Blackhawks, um, who had a real shot at it even up until the end. And the fact that the the conference playoffs sort of held that same energy, 
where you didn't really know what was going to happen. And there weren't even, there weren't, I don't think between the semifinals and the final, then there was like a single blowout, um, you know, all really competitive matches. And um, to end like this 13, 12 on penalties is just, it's a very fitting way. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to the futures. Obviously congratulations to St. Croix as well. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what this futures team can do in the national playoffs. I think it was just a couple years ago. I'm in UFC or excuse me. I'm in UFC two Minneapolis city two when they were Minneapolis city two made a run all the way to the quarterfinals, uh, the final eight. Um, we'll have to see what the futures can do this year, but I mean, heck of a season and, uh, we'll see what kind of run they can make now, uh, in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, I just double checked this to make sure this weekend they will be headed to Kansas City to play sporting Wichita in the uh, in the playoffs in the Raider playoff picture. So, you know, they're they're gonna be right at it. Yeah, I think, you know, this was a well deserved title for them. Um, they they had to earn it hard, just like they did last year, of course, and also a penalty shootout, although one that lasted slightly less long. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that is obviously a crazy uh, I th- believe it was a four, 14 penalty. Uh, attempts there were there were some misses in there um so hmm. a, a, a drawn out penalty shootout it was it, it was one of those ones that felt like someone someone's writing this i don't know who it's not me but someone's writing this you yeah. know city, city led the 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 regulation time one nil for almost the whole game st croix equalized like last minute goes to aet uh st croix score on the earlier side city equalized 120th minute Takes the penalties, of course. You know what happens after that. It, a crazy game, a, a crazy game, absolutely, and and a, and a, a good sequel to the crazy game these two teams played in the regular season. Um, but you know, super well earned, um, a reflection of of the of the quality from these two teams, and like you said, the quality that this this really whole conference showed this year, which was continues to be a step up. Um, yeah, just just really cool, really cool to see the conclusion of all this in such a sort of fun, epic way. Uh, in Stillwater, this game was. Um, and uh, yeah, congratulations to all these guys. A lot of young guys with with really bright futures ahead of them, and and uh, an immediate future playing in in the UPSL playoffs as well, where they I think they have you know a solid chance to really show themselves up to to the whole country. And uh, you know, it, it, I guess one more note on the futures, and we, we talked about the futures a bit in the Minneapolis city, so I don't necessarily want to ramble on, but um, I think it's just I, I think the competitiveness of the regular season and the competitiveness, obviously the playoffs, I think it's going to bode them very well come the national tournament. Yeah. Um, starting this weekend. So hopefully they can, uh, they can make a run there. Um, all right, let's go drop down to UPSL division one, 1826 Academy who have already assured promotion into the premier division next year. Um, they are um, the, the number one seed in the division one tournament, uh, the conference playoffs. They'll be playing Rochester FC two, and then the other semifinal is Bateau FC and Lyon FC. That's the playoff semifinals tonight as we're recording on Wednesday. So you know what that uh, what that conference final is going to look like um, if you're listening to this on Friday. Should note, so 1826 Academy won the regular season. They will be in UPSL Premier next year. If they win the conference tournament, the, the, the conference tournament decides who is going to get that second promotion spot. If 1826 win the conference tournament, it will be the runner-up who gets promotion. So if 1826 beats Rochester, whoever else, the, the other semifinal is basically for promotion um, right. into the premier division next year, whether that's Bateau or Leon. So 
um, a lot to play for. Obviously, a conference championship, but also a chance to to play with the big boys in the UPSL next year. So it's very exciting and a different element added to the local uh, soccer scene that uh, I think just makes it all the more exciting. Absolutely. Uh, I will say, uh, to keep this as up-to-date as possible, so I, I do not know the result of the 1826 game yet. They just haven't updated it where I can see it. Uh, if, if that changes while I'm talking, I'll let you know. But Leon have beat Bateau. So ah. uh, the question now is whether or not Rochester FC2 are going to pull a, a real page turner here and beat 1826. Um, otherwise, uh, Leon will be the ones that get promoted. So mm. I unfor- unfortunately, I don't have... I don't have any, I don't see anything from the other game yet, but uh, Leon have put themselves in an incredibly good position with a bit of a shock four nil win. Um, and that's a very good Bateau team. Uh, and so that's going to be very interesting. I actually, I actually talked to the guys at Leon a while back because they play in Brooklyn park. And so I talked to them for an article for the Sun post. So that's, uh, that's a really cool, <clears throat> just very local community team. Uh, a lot of cool guys, a lot of local players. So um, that'll be very interesting if if they pull that off. We have to wait and see what happens with this other game. But uh, but this is you know this is why it's fun that the UPSL is is trying to implement this promotion system uh, in 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 Minnesota here. Uh, it's because you get these moments like this where mm-hmm. teams potentially can you know when I talked to the guys at Leon, they mentioned that they were hopeful. This was a couple of weeks ago, but they were hopeful. That, hey, maybe uh, in the next year or two, we can be playing some bigger teams. We can play, you know, Minneapolis City and we can play, you know, Valora and whatever. You know, that was part mm-hmm. of their hope. Uh, so the UPSL doing what it's doing means that that very well might come true for 2024. So that's uh, that's exciting stuff. But, yeah, I'm not sure about the 1826 game, but listeners will know when they when they hear. All right. And so some final community notes to wrap up the podcast with this week. Uh, Gargar FC won the 2023 Somali Week tournament, uh, hosted parallel to Somali Independence Day. Um, and then New Life FC and Cal Raptors were co-champions at the 2023 J4 Men's Soccer Tournament. Uh, Cal United won the Men's Plus 40 Tournament. And then Legacy were the Women's Soccer Camps at J4 2023 as well. Dom, you want to provide a little bit of context on some of the uh, community soccer stuff? Sure. Uh, yeah. So um, last week or our last weekend was a Somali Independence Day, and, and there was a sort of parallel soccer tournament held in the in the, in the cities uh, for that, uh, in, in addition to other festivities. Um, and a bunch of local teams took part in that. Gargar was one of them, which is a team that it, that plays also just sort of in the area and, and some other mm-hmm. like local um, different local leagues. Um, so they won that tournament. I believe, uh, that was like a knockout tournament. So I believe they played like five games, uh, in, in the span of like a day or two, um, for that one. Uh, so congratulations to them. I believe they won it last year as well. Uh, and then J4 of course is, is the, um, July 4th, uh, festival get together, uh, hosted largely by the, the Hmong community here in the Metro. Um, and most of the teams that play in the soccer tournament are, are Hmong teams. There's also some Karen teams, other community teams. Um, and so these, these were the, those were the finalists for the men's category, women's category. And then there's also a men's plus 40 category. Uh, one random fun thing 
that I saw happen with J4 was that uh, Michael Vane actually came by and did like sort of a little guest speechy thing and gave away some stuff and signed some stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so just just some cool, uh, you know, tournaments obviously hosted by local communities. Uh, these are a lot of local guys, local teams coming together to, to celebrate their cultures and also the game. And uh, so great, great to see them continue to do that. And uh, you wrote a an article recently for the Sun Post. I kind of want you to plug here about yeah, the sure. NFA and the uh, the Hmong, uh, the the new Hmong national team. Yeah. So uh, there, some people, some listeners may be vaguely familiar with the organization known as Canifa, which is essentially a alternative to FIFA for national teams for um, people that don't have national teams. So those could be stateless communities like the Mon who don't have a, a corresponding country. Those could be unrecognized countries. Those could be region, you know, uh, regions that aren't necessarily uh, separatist or anything, but have their own identities. Like Sicily, for example, has a Canifa team. Um, and the Mon community here in the Metro uh, is kind of trying to spearhead a, a, a project to create a Canifa team for the Mon community. They've already been accepted as Canifa members. Uh, they had a uh, event this last week where they uh, brought together a roster of players, some of which were local, some of which were from other parts of the U.S., uh, and they held two friendlies against uh, Karen FC, which is uh, an MASL team that is uh, a lot of the guys that were on the Kanifa Karen FA team mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years back um, and, and had these two friendlies at uh, Prairie Seed Academy, which is in Brooklyn Park. Um, basically sort of a senior team and then a young team uh, game. And uh, just it was a really cool, really cool uh, event I went and, and shot at uh, with, for work. Um, really cool gathering, really good crowd. It was really cool that, you know, you go to a friendly for like this sort of new thing. You're not sure what to expect. I wasn't sure, you know, how intense is this game going to be? And, you know, all this kind of stuff you get there. And, uh, you know, I mean, this in the best way possible. Karen FC had every intention of spoiling that event. (laughs) They very much wanted to win those two games and they won the second game, actually. Uh, The Mon FF won the first game. Uh, The crowd was great. There were easily a couple hundred people there. Prairie Seas Academy, by the way, barely has stands. So, yep. uh, I mean, a lot people, of lawn chairs. <laughs> people were just surrounding the whole pitch, but it was really fun. It was really cool. Yep. Um, really good environment. There's some some musical performances and stuff. So, it was a really cool event. And uh, a lot of the guys, a lot of guys on both sides that played that, those games ended up, you know, playing at the J4 tournament as well for their corresponding clubs and stuff. Um, really cool. And, you know, it, it was fun. There's guys with pro experience. At, at this game, you know, Brian Vane, uh, uh, Kapatu, um, guys with a lot of college experience as well. Um, so uh, a really fun project that I, I, I hope continues to build up steam, continues to build some community support. And uh, it was really fun to go to go sort of see what was going on there, get some cool pictures. Um, so really looking forward to seeing what they can do, uh, making the most of, you know, there's a, there's a really robust long soccer culture in the metro um mm-hmm. you know whether it's clubs players you know in the schools and the colleges coaches um there, there's a really robust community here in, for for the game so um i i think that the 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 infrastructure is there for them to build something really really special uh they're going to be going in august to uh netherlands of all places because Canisa wow. is, is hosting a uh qualifier tournament uh, for its Asian teams, um, 
called the Kanifa Asia Cup, I believe, um, that will determine who gets to go to the, you know, basically the World Cup equivalent that Kanifa hosts. They, they have a qualifying process for all the different regions, like FIFA does. Um, and the Monaf have, 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 have stated their intention to be a part of that. So they're, they're, they're going, they're ready to go. I mean, they, they want to be a part of this as soon as possible. And uh, it's just really exciting. So yeah, uh, if, if people want to check that out, they, they definitely show that articles on the Sun Post. And otherwise, you can find the, the Mon FF on Facebook and Instagram um, if you want just more information about them as well. All right, let's finish off the podcast like we always do, Dom. It's our picks presented by Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com, Minnesota United, Austin FC. I haven't looked up the exact line. I do know, though. I checked enough to know that Minnesota United are slight favorites at home. I'm going to pull up the exact odds here in a second. Okay. Um, so Minnesota United minus 120. So that's you know basically breaking even uh, if Minnesota United wins. So they're not huge favorites, but they are the home team. And a lot of these odds lines, especially in Major League Soccer, favor the home teams. Uh, usually no matter what. Uh, almost, almost independent of form. So um saying that and knowing the over under is two and a half goals dom what's your pick for austin and minnesota uh i am going to go i'm gonna go with uh over two and a half for this one that's what i'm going with okay i like that i like that pick minnesota united in really good form in the attack austin's been pouring in some goals over the last few matches as well so uh yeah i I like the over two and a half i think minnesota keeps it rolling I think they keep it rolling. I think they keep the home the home juices going. Um, they're overdue for uh, not just one home win, but a few home wins. So I think they start to make that up with back-to-back home wins. Um, I'm picking Minnesota United minus 120 on the line there. Whether you agree with us or you want to pick against us, check them out. BetterEdge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com slash loons gets you $20 in your account for free. And you might be thinking, Jeremy, $20 for what? What can I do? Gambling's not legal in Minnesota. Better Edge is not a sports book. They do not profit off of your loss. They are a social betting marketplace, meaning when you bet on Better Edge, you're not betting against Better Edge. You're not, they're not the house. You're betting with and against other players on the platform. That is why Better Edge is legal to use in 46 states plus minnesota so you can get your bet on in minnesota via better edge b-e-t-t-o-r edge.com slash loons go there sign up with that link and you will get twenty dollars in your account vote free thanks to our friends at better edge for sponsoring the podcast this week dom i'm gonna give the floor to you to end the podcast like i always do what are your uh your parting words to send the people into their weekend uh I, uh, so, well, so, something uh, something that comes to mind is just uh, is, this isn't necessarily a full statement, but it's it's just something to think about. You know, I mentioned that there was a, a, a very respectable crowd at that the the Mon uh, FF event, um, and you know, I mentioned that I think about there's been some discourse online about some of the big crowds we see in the Gold Cup this year from you know countries like Guatemala. Uh, who you know have made their a lot of their games look like home games um, mm-hmm. at this tournament. Uh, you know, for, for example, their win against Guadalupe um, and I think it was New Jersey. It was at Red Bull Arena. Um, you know, some really awesome crowds there. Obviously, have a completely different setting and level. But all of that to me just connects with just that reminder that people, when people see, um, you know, particularly at the professional level, 
uh, stadiums or teams that can't fill their grounds in the United States, uh, particularly, you know, especially at MLS where you, you don't necessarily have the excuse of, of, you know, it being harder to market USL league one or whatever. Um, it, it's just a reminder of like, the problem isn't lack of people mm-hmm. that would go to see a Saturday. Dame. the problem is how you're marketing to those people and how you're connecting with those yep. people. They're out there. And they are willing to pay money to go see people play soccer. Um, they they just they they need the right incentive. And uh, you know that people talk about is the is the the U.S. still isn't you know quite a, a soccer country yet. And, you know, looked at you know some of these MLS teams that can't fill the stadium. I think there are certain. I think there's a part of the country that's a soccer country. I yeah. think there's plenty of people that would spend lots of money to go see soccer. But I don't know if Sorry to blast the Houston Dynamo, but the Houston Dynamo, for example, are doing a great job of making those people want to go see the Houston Dynamo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and that's just a team that comes to mind because there's been a lot of discourse for years about the Houston Dynamo. But there's other teams that struggle with, the, with this as well. Um, so, you know, I, I just think it's always it's good to remember that when you when you see MLS teams, for example, that are struggling to fill their their stadiums, um, just just remember that part of the equation Obviously, some of them play in very large stadiums as well, and that's part of it. Part of the equation is that maybe they're not doing a great job of connecting with the people they should be trying to connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, so just something something to, to bear in mind. And all this uh, right after we got 81,000 in the Rose Bowl for LAFC and Galaxy, exactly. which was behind, I guess it wasn't behind the paywall, but it was on Apple TV and MLS season pass. Not even available on yeah. cable. What are we doing, MLS? If you if you kept the Fox contract, why would you not put that game on Fox? I don't. I don't get it. Anyways, um, okay, Dom. Final question before we get out of here. What okay. what tw- what Twitter offshoot are you are you? Man, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's on. Th- so I don't know where this came from, but like you know, there for you know when the Elon thing first happened. A lot of people were like, Oh, I'm going to Mastodon and okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess Mastodon is the thing. And everybody now, all the, now uh, with the rate limits thing, a lot of people were like, Oh, I'm going to blue sky. And all of a sudden today, everybody's going to this place called threads. I don't know. I don't know which one I should go to. I don't even know if I should go to one at all. I might not even go to one at all. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to get back on MySpace. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Tom, I'm coming home. I I don't even know if my 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 MySpace profile might still be alive. I'm not sure. Um, there's Maybe. probably like a, a TI song attached to my MySpace profile from like 2005. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So whatever Twitter offshoot you're running to, I hope you have fun there. I I have no um, idea. There's so many options. I don't understand any yeah, of them, and I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get it either. <laughs> I don't get it either. But anyways. All right, he's Dominic Jose Bazonio. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Big thanks to Galasso Kits and Better Edge for sponsoring this week's episode. Big thanks to all of you for supporting us. And big thanks to our specifically to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash soda soccer. If you want to join the community and help us out, you can get in for as low as $3 a month. Post Loons coming your way with myself and Jacob Schneider after Austin FC Minnesota United on Saturday. So join us there for some live conversation and uh, we'll be back for another episode of 10 K next Friday, same time, same place till then have a great weekend, everybody.